Hi everyone, and welcome to episode number 84 of the Fitness Devil Podcast. We have Sam Pogue on here today, and I don't think I can summarize very effectively how good this podcast episode is. Sam is energetic and fun. He's going to talk about being of service to people and being a decent human being. Talks a lot about where he came from, the values that transcend his work, about being less dogmatic and more community. He talks about his true his work with True Coach now, a lot about his former work with Audit. We get into how we can not lose sight of taking care of the end consumer as we talk to other fitness professionals with this podcast and our social media. And he also tells a, a story about how he came to work with his friend, Jake Arietta, who's a Cy Young award-winning baseball pitcher in Major League Baseball. So stay tuned. It's, in, it's incredible. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. Uh, it's actually been a few weeks since we recorded. We had a whole bunch stocked up and Guido was traveling and then sold his house and moved and I got sick, but we're back to normal now. So today we got Sam Poe joining us and he's trading places from his usual role as he's the host of his own podcast, The Fitness Break Room uh, podcast. And uh, But Sam is now working as the VP of branding at True Coach. We're gonna ask him a little bit more about that. Before that, he was with Onnit Academy. And then he's actually one of the most connected people in the entire industry, which says a lot. So welcome, Sam. Thanks, guys, for having me. Such a such an honor to finally jump on board. And uh, it's always fun to be able to connect with people who also have a podcast because you you know immediately the person knows how to be a guest and you didn't need to educate them on the front end. Like, it's okay for you to talk and we want you to go into stories. Like, these are key things to make a good podcast. So love being able to support others trying to make a difference and doing cool things like have a podcast. Super uh, pumped to connect with you, Dean. I know we haven't met in person yeah. yet. Um, Andrew and I have been fortunate enough to connect a few times at different events uh, throughout the country, and and now love being able to connect and get to know you guys more. Well, it's funny that you say like, "Oh, I don't have to coach you," but initially I was like, "Oh, he's going to judge us." And right before we were starting, I'm like, "Don't judge our intro." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Man. You just never know how to do these things, so it's kind of it's kind of cool when we have someone else who who actually knows what's going on. So this should just. We're pretty much just going to shoot the shit for about an hour. And I don't think there are any rules when it comes to a podcast. Anyway, I mean, like I'm, sh- I'm sure if you wanted to, like, just create a podcast where it was just like screeching for about half an hour, there's probably someone out there who would listen to that. <laughs> Have you heard about the show Wine About It? It's like a uh, fitness a Facebook show now. No, this guy named Matt Bellasai, and this dude literally just pounds a bottle of wine and then just starts talking shit about things he hates. Really, it's pretty funny. God, He's probably more popular than most of us. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pay to garbage like that. We, we drank once and that was it. Yeah, there was a couple times where we've been drinking. The, the one time we, we were drinking, my print, I couldn't get my printer to work. It was just a horrible, <laughs> it was a horrible day. <laughs> oh, me, me and Chad Landers were shittered in Calgary. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Andrew and I meant, it, it was great. That was, when that you drink good. on a podcast, it's always the best. Yeah. Also, but don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> in the best meaning, like nothing good came out of it. But it was hilarious. (laughs) So let's start here uh, because we've talked about all the different things you've been involved with. So I want to know what values transcend your work with each of the vehicles you've worked within, be it on it. Now it's True Coach, obviously your own podcast and and the things you did before that. And what are you, Sam, seeking to do for the fitness industry and particularly the end consumer? What's the big end game? Man, what a great question. And definitely one, it was kind of nice. Like normally I don't need the question sent to me 
on the front end, but it was nice to kind of like mentally prepare how I wanted to approach this answer. And so just to give you guys not the, the full long story, because that's a longer period of time than you probably have, but I came into fitness not in a traditional way. And I don't deserve to be here where I am based on where I came from. And I, and I don't mean I don't deserve to be here that I haven't worked hard, but I went to school for business. I studied entrepreneurship, looking at startup businesses and running feasibility studies and how are they, how can businesses be successful? And I finished in school in 2008. And in the US, uh, there was a pretty cool economic downturn, which made it a great time to graduate college with no job experience and <laughs> having no real feasible life experience. Perfect. Here's right. So I took a job at 24-hour fitness selling gym memberships and was really angry about it for a long time. And I, I didn't think I'd wanted to be in the fitness industry. I liked working out but, and I played sports, but I was never a fitness person. And it was there that I was like, well, I might as well learn something while I'm here with my time. And that got me into powerlifting, Olympic lifting, strongman competitions. And then I left to go work for an action sports company, got fired, came back to become a trainer, crushed at 24-hour fitness for a number of years, right? Like, and because I came from the membership side, I knew how things kind of worked already. And I had trained enough, like done a couple competitions. So I knew how to train at, at a very rudimentary level. Uh, and it allowed me... Uh, to step into this role and be successful immediately, which is hard for a trainer. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a hard journey to, to get a business up and going. And so uh, trained at 24, went privateer, uh, tried to get out of the fitness industry by going um, and doing technology recruiting for like uh, software engineers and whatnot. And that led me to pick my stuff up and move to Austin, Texas to get out of the fitness industry entirely to like really try to adult and like, have a big kid job and try to grow a career. And it led me down to this place called on it. Well, I knew nothing about what on it was, but as a young trainer, I had found a guy that I really liked his content by the name of Joe DeFranco. Yeah. And yeah. it just so happened that Joe DeFranco had decided he was going to merge his gym with on it around the same time I announced I was going to move to Austin, Texas. And I'll tell you, I was debating when I was going to move from Portland, I'm from the Northwest. I went to college in the Northwest. I've never left. And I was debating between Chicago, New York, Boston, and Austin. And I only chose Austin, Texas because it was November of 2014, and it was going to be cold as fuck in the other three cities. <laughs> so I'm like, do you really want to move to a brand new city to a really cold place where all you have to do is drink and go to a bar? And like that, like that would have been starting your life that way. And I was partying too much in Portland, so I was trying to escape that a little bit. Um, you know, like... Yeah, same fucking person. I've got a Bachelor of Commerce degree. I left St. John's Newfoundland back in 2008. Uh, came up here to Edmonton, one of the coldest cities on the planet, uh, in October. Yeah, I chose Edmonton. <laughs> so it's like, and I left a wild partying life behind to get that, that stuff arrested. I used to own a nightclub back there. I just was tired of this crap. It's like, what the hell? So yeah, I don't, I don't think I, well, well, I think I think Andrew has a very similar story. <laughs> uh, going, yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> right. And I and I hope that you guys realize that, and I'm saying this not because I, I'm trying to brag about what I've done, but for those of you who are in fitness or end users who really like fitness, to see that there are options for you that don't necessarily mean going and selling memberships at yeah. 24 or being a trainer. Nowadays, there are a lot of opportunities to work inside of fitness without having to be a trainer, mm -hmm. right? But in 2008, you either worked at a university setting, either on the academic or the collegiate coaching side, or you were at a 24-hour fitness, or you were on the medical side. Now, with the surgeons of things like CrossFit and SoulCycle, BurnCycle, F45, all these things, 
There's now these large organizations that you can also work for in the fitness industry and have roles like marketing, HR, PR, whatever it is. Because for a lot of people, fitness is their passion or something they really care deeply about. But that doesn't mean that everybody wants a career in it or they don't necessarily know how to get into it. So that's something that they're kind of opposed to doing it. So, um, you know, coming in, getting into on it, you know, I became the very first member of the gym and five months in, it turned into quit your job and work here. And then it led down this path of teaching education for on Academy. And then I became the director of strategic partnerships and I flew around the country trying to broker on it to other organizations. And my partner, Sayla and I uh, made a really one, two punch duo because she's empathetic and nurturing and loving and a really caring person. And I'm not um, <laughs> So it really helped having someone who does that role. Um, and she's super smart. So it really helps uh, to have someone by your side. And, you know, we were able to broker deals with Exos, Equinox, Gold's Gym, UCLA. Well, you know, on it just became this behemoth of a fitness company. I went from being employee number 42 when I got hired on to they're over the 200s now. And spending my time at on it was amazing. I had such amazing stories and I had an amazing career there. Um, it, you know, it helps that I'm, I'm 32 and single. So it allowed me this life, but I flew 67 times last year around the country going to pretty much every conference, every seminar, uh, every meeting I could possibly get my hands on just to connect and learn with people. So back to your original question, you know, why I really want to get into this and what do I really care about is I really care about helping create opportunities for people to find something that's been as giving to me as fitness has. Because I've tried multiple times to get out of the fitness industry. And for whatever reason, I don't care how woo you are or how spiritual you are, but like, you know, finishing college in a recession, forced into the fitness industry, get a big kid job at an action sports company, get fired, come back to becoming a trainer, leave, leave Portland to get out of the fitness industry, come to work it on it. I'm like, okay, I get it world. Like you want me to be in this industry. And it's not like, I haven't had the career I've had because I have a bunch of letters behind my name or I, you know, took all these seminars. I mean, I got to do those things, but that's never been the story of what I'm trying to be about. So it's okay. Can I take this career and can I build something, A, that's that's fulfilling for me, but B, can it also put me in a position to best help the people along my path? And I think it's also important to remember that you're also not in a position in your life to help every single person you meet at every single point in your time. So you help the people that you can where you're at, and then as you continue to grow your own journey, you can help new people in different ways. So I want to create a fitness industry that's way more about community, way less dogmatic, I don't care if you like bodybuilding or physique competitions or you like kettlebell training or you like sports performance or linear speed or Barry's Bootcamp Gyrolotties with the drum beef solos, right? All of it is great because if it gets you to move and it gets you to change your relationship with your health, then that's all I care about. And I think people forget that the 24-hour fitness trainer, the CanFit trainer, the person at the global box gym that's not a CrossFit box or a specialty gym – that is your first line of defense in fitness. That per A client is most likely going to go to that person, that 24-hour fitness trainer, before they're going to find either one of us or John Russin or Brett Bartholomew or Brett Contreras quicker than they will go, you know, than they will go to that person. So why would we be so scarcity driven to not want to improve the bottom line of fitness? Because we were all that person. We were that brand new trainer, bright eyed, full of ambition, young, dumb, full of cum. And ready to D12, go. Yep. So I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss or say anything on the show. Absolutely, at, you can yeah. drop D12 lines the whole podcast if you want. 
on D12. This is my band. Yeah. Right? I, I don't think you'll probably bump up against our record for F-bombs. Kelly Coffee holds, no, no. holds that holds that one. In fact, she holds it so distinctly that the second time she was on, she actually didn't swear at all deliberately. And Dean tried to entice her to swear the entire time. But she actually <laughs> held on and it was but, almost funnier. But she didn't call new trainers young, dumb, full cum. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like the sort of thing like, she'd say. The world was your oyster. Remember being that brand new coach yeah. on your first seminar? You're hitting the floor ready to train, and everybody's going to adopt what you're preaching, and you know everything about programming and strength and building mechanical stress and progressive overload and creating physical adaptations, and you think you know everything. And now I think you and I, we're all in the same spot going, yeah, I don't know anything. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm trying to learn things. So it's like, okay, my goal as I built my career through this industry and very blessed is to help coaches get better. And I don't care whether that's through education or communication or business. Uh, I hope that the industry can get better as a whole because we all hate going to the random gym and we see the trainer working with our client and it's awful. And you can sit and dog on it yeah. or you can do something about it, right? And I, it, you can't walk up to that trainer and tell them they're doing something wrong. That's a terrible way to handle it. But that means you can do things on the other end of your life that help educate, promote, and build other people up. Whether that's like connecting with that person to go grab a workout and like connect with them and see if you can do it that way to having a podcast to launching online programs, whatever it is, everybody got into this industry at one point or another to help others. And that means as we grow and our careers transcend from that beginning status, status that our goals should also be to give back to the community that supported us. Additionally, if we look at helping those coaches and those trainers level up, then that means that the clients are getting better care, Right. Fitness and health is at an all-time high revenue driving right now. There's more money being dumped into fitness, wellness, supplements, and pharmaceuticals that has to do with our bodies and mindset. And now you start adding in all these lifestyle effing coaches where it's like, come follow my 10-week program to design your life. And I'm like, I, I see your life. I don't want your life. right? But there's a million of those guys now. So there's so much money being dumped into bettering ourselves that it's like, okay, well, let's help these coaches get better so they can deliver better experiences to these consumers who are finding these people because there's 1% of the world has gym memberships. I'm not losing any clients to you guys. You're not losing any clients to me. So there's plenty for us to go around. So if anything, it would behoove us to like, hey, Andrew, let's talk about hypertrophy. Let's talk about recovery. Let's talk about training. I bet you can teach me something that I know nothing about. And maybe I can teach you something you know nothing about. And now we have new tools in our toolbox because as your young coaches, you only know what you don't know. And if your only tool is a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. So our job is to help build everybody's toolboxes up. So now as my career has grown, my goal is to give back to the community, help elevate the status of the industry so that way coaches get better and clients get better service. Well, and even, even that idea, like we kind of get in the habit of it too. Like you said, everyone walks in, that's experience, quote unquote, and they'll see other trainers and they'll be like, oh, I hate that. But you're right, like getting in that dogmatic way of just like dogging it and like calling it out is just not helping anyone. And I fall on victim to that too. Like we've talked about bad trainers here and bad trainers there. It's like, what do you do about it? And I think that that's part of the reason why we started the podcast. But I think what you're saying in that mission will end up bringing up the bottom line because there is a lot more money in it. And I mean, someone like it has to be done because like we do see the shit, but that being said, what are we doing about it? And I, I really, I, I empathize with that, but I also appreciate that because I know I get stuck in that. Loop. Yeah, and I'd be lying if I said I don't judge. Yeah. I, like I'll, I go to a box gym now here in Boulder where I live and like I'll see something, I'm like, whoa. And I have such a hard time controlling my facial expressions. <laughs> these, 
don't like. I'm like, I'm sure that trainer's like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? He's just like mean mugging me. And I'm just like, just coach them better. Right. But they don't know. I, and I bump up against this stuff too. And, and I try to be a little kinder with some of the social media stuff or when I'm making light of things to have, to have fun with it, to, to draw attention to it in a positive way. But, and now there was something I saw recently. There was a, a fairly new trainer who has a lot of potential in a commercial gym that I go to, but I just observed a lot of problem things. And then he was rude to me because I was using a bench that he wanted and he didn't ask her very nicely. So unfortunately for him, I'm friends with his manager. So uh, <laughs> instead of putting the whole thing on blast on social media, which I was previously inclined to doing, I just had a chat with the manager and I gave him a bunch of constructive stuff. And I even said, listen, I think this guy's got a ton of potential, but here's what is happening when you're not around. And yeah. I gave him a laundry list of stuff. And so the manager was sort of both appalled, but at the same time, he took it constructively. And, and I noticed an improvement in that trainer. And, you know, maybe that's a tough lesson that trainer had. And he, the, that trainer does not look very happy when I'm around. But, oh, too fucking bad. I knew that was going to be a result of it. But if this guy ultimately gives better service to his clients, and because of this, has a more successful career, I don't care that he doesn't like me. I'm yeah. more concerned with everybody else having a really good outcome of it because none of it's hurting well, me. And yeah, I, I was just going to say, being part of a big box gym doesn't mean you have to suck. Like, we know Dean Somerset, <laughs> he was part of a big box gym for, fuck, like 15 years. Yeah. And well, so, I mean, I mean, like, the, I think that that's the message that is out there, especially amongst professionals in the fitness industry. They all rag on big box gyms. But, like, that is a problem then. Like, why is it like that? You know what I mean? And, like, yeah, I see that. Yeah. There's a bigger issue there, and I don't think it's it's not the trainer's fault. No, no. And it's like when there's such a high attrition rate in those environments, you know, when I was at 24, there was a 75% attrition rate for new trainers within three months. Yep. And it's really sad because now that manager spends all of his time onboarding, <clears throat> excuse me, hiring, that he's not there to help develop the mid-level coach that's having a hard time getting that top tier, Right. You don't have to worry about your coach who just goes out and goes and generates all of his new own self-generated business and goes out and markets and builds a, his own referral system. And now he's completely doing his own thing. You're worrying about the kid who's like, okay, I just can't get past that hump. I've got 10 clients. I can't get to 15 because every time I add one, I lose one. And they're trying to make it. And how many people come into fitness, right? I look at fitness. Trainers come in three ways. I went to school for exercise science. Yeah. I had a big transformation, either weight loss or weight gain, right? Or um, I fitness was always something I cared about. I just quit my accounting job or lawyer job, and I was tired of doing something I wasn't passionate about. Right. So those are the three primary ways people end up coming to become trainers, and it really sucks. I think that I don't care because I didn't come from fitness. I didn't go to school for exercise science. Any of these young little kids that I'm in the front of, like I'm gonna go teach a, a gratis grad class at NSCA headquarters next week, and I'm like, yeah, all those kids can circle me in miles with like, naming muscles and anatomy. Right. I've got a lot of coaching experience and I get to you know do that, but it has nothing to do with like if we're trying if I'm trying to show off how much I know about the scapula and how it glides off the thoracic cage and all this other shit, then like that's just me trying to like drive a big lifted truck as opposed to like, he hey, was, how can I teach you what I know and apply it? He was jerking because off I'm the not camera trying to play that game. They're not gonna see I just want the audience to know that he's doing that so we can put the explicit on there. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I'm making a hand gesture um, in an up and down fashion. Well, we, we sort of scripted a question about this, but I, I think I want, we're going to skip it, but I think let's at least touch on it a little bit. And dancing, we're dancing around how there sort of is a traditional way to get into a fitness career. And I think that's changed a lot now. I mean, 
you said you spent time at a commercial gym. I worked in a commercial gym for six and a half years. Dean Sargis and I worked for the same commercial uh, chain. And, uh, you know, like that was actually a really lucky thing where I was getting uh, community education courses taught by Dean Somerset in fucking with work for free, which like nobody gets that kind of shit. That was really, really blessed of us. But now things have changed. There's a lot more different avenues. Like you said earlier on, there are all these other companies like F45 or Orange Theory or whatever that coaches can go to. But there are more and more opportunities now for coaches to bypass that commercial gym model. And I think there's a lot more, and you said this straight up, there's a lot more education. There's a lot more knowledge, there's a lot more information out there put out by guys like Brett Bartholomew and John Russell and some of the other names that we've been talking about here. Um, and you can gain that knowledge a lot quicker and you don't have to necessarily put in, I still think hours of coaching is something you can't skip. And I feel like the, the current generation of training, the new, new ones, there is this desire to rush through that process Put a slap together a great Instagram profile, really nail your presentation, but they're still lacking that coaching skill. So I think it's super important to gain this coaching skill, however you get it. Uh, are there any specific thoughts on kind of the, the new opportunities for getting a career start in the industry versus the traditional way? Yeah, I, I will say first and foremost, like if you catch yourself being reactive or jealous to someone else's success, first look at why you're receiving that. Right. So you look at like there's two people, right? There's the strength coaches who clearly know everything about mechanical stress, progressive overload, blah, 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 training athletes. And then you have bubbly Jesse J, whoever, right, is dancing in the front of the room doing pirouettes and teaching group fitness, right? They both claim to be trainers. They both claim to be helping people, right? But they do it in very different ways. Well, strength coach homeboy over here is in bum BFE, Iowa, that's been traveling around to school after school with his family. And he's do he went to school for his master's and doing it the right way. And you got this person over here is just good at the pageantry. They're just good at the presentation, right? They're good at marketing. They're great. Maybe they were a designer in their past life, or maybe you're like Mark Fisher and you were a fucking Broadway actor. So <laughs> big camera is what you know, and you're very captivating doing it. So you have a skill set that others don't. So you're going to have things that go quicker. So with that being said, a lot of times if you're being jealous, it's because you wish you had that. Like strength coaches hate the little Instagram stars because they hate that they're getting all these NBC contracts and all these opportunities that they're not doing. Right. But the little Instagram star postures really hard against these strength coaches because they know they don't know the same level of, of uh, academia and have the same level of experience as that coach. Right. But either way, no one wants to play in each other's sandbox like homegirl and the Instagram or homeboy in the Instagram world does no desire to be in a, a college strength conditioning weight room. And then this dude has no desire. A girl has no desire to be standing up on top of a stage doing raw, raw shit. Right. So <laughs> let each other be each other. And why don't we work on getting better? So as we get to the point of looking at how do people get into it, look at what you offer that others don't offer, right? What life experience do you have? What perspective do you have that others haven't been blessed with? Because perspective only comes at a cost and that's time, energy, money, and pain. And unfortunately to gain that perspective, it's going to hurt. Like you're going to have something shitty happen to you. And that's just the way it is because we don't learn from the things that we're good at. We learn from the things that we're bad at. So look at the skill sets that you naturally come in with. If you're uh, an artist, maybe you can find a way to get into graphic design or print media with a company like an Equinox or a, even a local gym, right? Maybe you're just a member of your local CrossFit box and you really love fitness, but you don't quite know how to transition from your boring accounting job to a fitness job. And it's like, well, maybe you don't even want to train clients. Maybe you just want to help them doing their design work for all their marketing materials, right? The game of business never changes. I don't care if you're an app 
I don't care if you're a supplement. I don't care if you're a service. I don't care if you're a hairstylist to a nail salon to a lawyer. The game of business does not change, right? You have to be able to retain clients. You have to be able to go out and get clients. How you do that is going to be dependent on your industry. But at the end of the day, fitness didn't have this major marketing essence to it 10 years ago, right? YouTube was just getting going 10 years ago. And now all of a sudden you see these beautifully curated videos, amazing pictures, amazing print media. And you're like, oh, that person was a graphic designer or videographer before they chose a career in training. And so it's like, look how pretty of content. Now they can have a leg up because yeah, you, I can teach you how to coach squat. I can teach you what the rectus fem, femoral artery goes, blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> right? And so I'm going to do it smooth, right? Uh, rectus femoris, right? And where that is, where the insertion point is, and where the origin is. Like we can, like you can learn that from the book. Not that you can't learn the other things, but that's your art, right? So take a step back really quick. And if, if you guys, as the listeners and you guys in general, have you ever heard someone talk about something they're really on about and they're just really good at? Super passionate. It comes out fluidly and it just rolls off their tongue. You're like, fuck, they are good. I'm so captivated by their energy that they're producing. Well, you're just describing well, when you presented in Renton in, yeah. um, at that Vigor Ground, right? Like, I mean, your presentation was totally captivating. And, and up until that weekend, I had – there were people like Mark Fisher and Pete Dupuis. I hung out with those guys before and they're presenters. And – I loved Adam Morenstein, and I knew who Luca was, right? Martin Rooney, holy shit. I mean, he brought down the house, but, you know, he, that weekend was my first introduction to you, Sam, and I was like, fuck, man, this guy is as good as anybody else who's been up on the stage because that was a really great presentation. You're talking about bringing energy. I mean, yeah, you had to present alongside of Martin Rooney and held your own, so that that's how you would look at <laughs> that's that. That's a huge compliment. Thank you very much because that dude fucking brings it. But that has nothing to do with training. Has nothing to do with training, yeah. right? And so, like, you look at like all the skills your life you acquired, right? And from an early age, my mom was a youth minister. So yeah. I was like reading scripture at church at a young age, right? I was presenting. Like I was always in the <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. Kenny, right? Dean's dog. Right. Me, can, you guys can cut it. <laughs> no, no, we're good. Keep going there. Okay. Um, and wrong. so I, I built the skill set of being able to be a presenter, right? And being how to be in the front of the room and how to be captivating. And it's still a work of art that I have to keep working at because it's it's hard, right? And Onnit definitely facilitated that. And then getting out to go because I used to travel and I would go to events because of Onnit, and then I happened to get to be there because of it. Then as I got more built in my career, it turned into like Sam would love for you to come, and if Onnit wants to come a part of it, that's awesome too. And so that was a huge win. So you know, look, I want you guys to look at as you guys are hopefully maybe interested in fitness or looking at what those opportunities are. Look at what you already do. Don't think that your fitness career is relegated to purely just training. If you want to get into training, that's awesome. There's so many amazing resources out there. There's so many amazing tools out there to help you, whether you want to be in person or online. Obviously, I work for an online training platform now, right? There's a lot of elements that can help get you into those places, and that's amazing. But don't be sucked into the fact that you need to be uh, as muscular as Andrew just to go be a trainer, right? You don't need, like, there are a lot of other opportunities. And I will say, like, you know, to Dean, or to your point is like coaching, you can't replace coaching. And I will say one of the biggest things I have a hard time with is, and I love some of these Instagram accounts that are coming up that promote just easy wellness for the everyday person. Right. And like, I think they have a great message, but I also hate when they start talking as if they've been doing it like we have for years and that they clearly don't have that experience. Right. So I hope if anything, live in your lane of what you do. Right. 
Don't try to be someone else. Honor someone else. If you got information from them or an education system, honor that person. Like, oh my gosh, I learned that from Mike Fitch at Animal Flow. He was, so, you know, I learned that from Andre Arspina or John Wolf or whoever it was. And so honor those people and how you get to that time because, man, it looks terrible when all of a sudden I'm seeing content and it's like, yeah, you didn't produce that. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's where I get lost in it. So put your dues in, go work, go learn, intern somewhere, work for free, right? But go get your reps in because it's hard to see. I'm all about a good story and it's really hard to see someone who doesn't have a story that, and this is me once again, I get jealous because I'm seeing they have some success without having to go through the shit that we've had to go through to get to where we are. And I'm like, oh, but you know, biggest thing, first and foremost, sorry guys, it's just kind of a tangent, but don't confuse followers with customers, oh. right? If you're in the online space, right? Just because that home homeboy, homegirl has 20, 100,000 million followers doesn't mean they're making money, right? In fact, some of them aren't. And some of them are happy, in their parents' basements, not with a job. Or it's like, oh yeah, I see you hawking all these products and I see you with a bikini pic or an ad pic, but I never see you training anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I read this recently and I don't know if it was like one of these onion articles or whatever, but I think it's legit how you get these young Instagram influencers who are going into debt to travel and to create these perfect pictures and images of places that they are. You said something earlier about like, like lifestyle coaches and living the life of this stuff. Well, we fuck, most of these lifestyles are manufactured to begin with. Or I mean, like, we definitely know people who, you know, they, they have their pictures their instagram stuff and it's like that's not real that's not anyone's life and i i don't know how people are drawn to stuff but like obviously they but are that goes to like there's another avenue in the fitness realm like whatever the hell you want to call that section of it Ooh. um and as much as we that that goes to the fact is like you're saying i don't like them because of that and i don't know if it's necessarily because i want that but at the same time it's almost like the fitness industry is ex it, industry is expanding and I think that there is going to be a lot of hurt feelings just because it's going in places that we didn't even know it was going to go. And like this lifestyle coaching bullshit, this business coaching thing, that's still within the realm of fitness and there's still a market for it. So that's kind of why it's upsetting is that. So, but you know what I mean? So like uh, someone's buying it. I just, I mean, I wouldn't personally, I'm not going to tell people to do that, but I mean, you could expand your brand that way and you can like, you know what I mean? It's just, I think that we'll yeah. be in the realm of people who want to continue to be better as coaches and then kind of push that Avenue. But I think that there is that other spectrum that we can't ignore. I just don't think either of us fall in that. So now do you embrace them and help try to educate and support the health coaches? Cause they're not going anywhere. No, well that's the weird thing. It's just like, I think that we just keep doing what we're doing. I think that the, the end goal doesn't or the, the process to where we're going is not changing. Um, but maybe letting them in is probably part of the equation as opposed to shutting them out. You know what I mean? I think we're still going to do this podcast. We're still going to train. We're still going to run seminars and all that stuff. It's just that I'm not going to, well, I'm trying actively not to alienate other people that may want to be coming in. Because the second we start trashing business coaches, which we do, um, they fucking hate us. So, I mean, I'm working towards being better in that respect. Listen, the best business coaches I know, like John Robinello was on the podcast yeah. basically trashing business coaches. So, so yeah. the, the process, the answer to that is probably not make fun of everyone. I'm still going to do it. Like you said, we're all going to judge and say shit. It's kind of funny. But sure. Hey, when I was yeah. like Clifton Harsky talking about making fun of the shit that he does, if you can't make fun of 
our industry, and it's expanded. What now. you're doing yourself, and Clifton's fantastic at this stuff, right? Clifton will take the piss out of everything, in particular yeah. CrossFit or Animal Flow stuff or whatever. And <laughs> He's so, so funny. And, and I, I, love I, I figured you'd do Clifton because I met Clifton at the same time I met you, and he's just a cool yeah. ass dude. So. I think that also comes to including them. So this is another thing. I don't even know where we're going at this point. But even making fun of all the people that are in the, the industry as it's expanding is kind of like a rite of passage. Like, I played football. You, you, you didn't stay on a football team if you didn't like getting made fun of. Like, that's like, it's, it's, it's that pain and that suffering to stay in the industry. Like, you're going to have to endure that shit if you want to stay. Like, people are going to call you out. And if you're going to endure it and stay in here, you got to do it. Let's grab this back on track for a second what? because... We are so fixated on the stuff geared towards kind of the other people in the industry. And this That's question was really about addressing that. And like we host podcasts and they can easily end up speaking to other fitness professionals while forgetting about the larger audience and the end user. We always try to bring something for them. So uh, in our case, it's a delicate balance. And I think sometimes we don't do it very well. Uh, but I think this can be true of all of our other social media messages as well. But how do you believe we can ensure we don't lose sight of the end consumer? That truly matters. We have to be better at meeting people where they're at, right? We live in bubbles, yeah. right? We're so used to listening to the precision nutrition, the Renaissance periodizations, the Andy Galpins, the Mike T. Nelsons, right? And so we're constantly inundated by coaches and other educators in fitness, right? That's our world. We chose to be in that world. We choose to see the world in looking at programming in terms of looking at stress in terms of looking at sleep and habits and nutrition and all the variables and that's our lives we have to remember that the end user doesn't look at the world like that right you talk to someone sometimes and they're like oh can you help me with this element of my fitness and maybe you rattle something off and they're like how do you just remember that but then you hear them talk about maybe they love wine yeah. right and you hear them go off on like wine i'm like see you do the same thing you just do it with wine and i do it with fitness Right? You're just talking about what you're good at. We just happen to be in a realm that fitness touches everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how do we go from like that end user client doesn't necessarily care about what their 5RM and their back squat is. They may not necessarily necessarily care about being in a 60-40 split or a 60-20-20 split or whatever the back. I don't count my macros. So uh, whatever that macro split is or paleo or vegan or whatever, they might hear elements of it. So our goal needs to be let's meet people where they're at help introduce early success because they've already been facing failure right by the time they're coming to you with no matter what they're doing um excuse me or you guys are searching out coaches you probably try to diet you probably try to work out you probably tried a new gym three or four times and none of it was ever successful and so where training kind of comes in is you make that person feel special side note but meeting people where they're at and helping them understand like hey for some people drinking a glass of water First thing in the morning before their pot of coffee is a big step. For some people, like I ride a lot of Ubers and Lyfts, right? And so they're always like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I work in fitness. They're like, what should I be doing? And I don't know why I have the voice imitations, but that is what it is. <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, oh, what should I, what's the best thing I can be doing? I'm like, oh, you drive this Lyft your full-time job, what you do? Yeah, cool. Every five rides, walk around the block. And they're like, that's it? I was like, well, you don't do that now. So that's 100% more than what you're doing, Right. So let's find easy things for you to install so that way the complicated things don't seem as hard, right? And like, I don't have any online products. I don't have any, I don't train a lot of people online. Um, but like I, I tag this thing called Be Less Fat and I'll do it in my post. And it's not fat shaming. It's like, look, just make decisions to be a little less fat yesterday than you were today or more today, be less fat today than you were yesterday. 
right? So if it's like yesterday you had a burger and fries, fuck it, have your burger and fries and enjoy it. Tomorrow have, you know, eggs and spinach for breakfast instead of, you know, Starbucks, right? Do small things that help add up to these things and make it fun, right? We all know, like, you don't have to quiz any of that. You don't have to be a nutrition expert to know what's healthier, spinach or McDonald's, right? You know that answer. I don't care how much about nutrition you know. You, the everyday person can know that. So as coaches, we need to stop looking at like, well, you know, your program, we're in a, you know, a superset program focusing on eccentric control and that client's going, what, right? Like, hey, we're going to be doing supersets, supersets are two things back together, right? And like, oh, okay, cool, right? And then go about it, right? So how do we communicate to that client? How do we help them meet where their verbiage is? It's like, if you guys ever hang out with a really smart clinician, and they start just rattling off biomechanics and anatomy and insertion and origins. I'm like, yeah, I'm so far out of this conversation. I can't even belong. That's Mike Tino. It's like, that's how your <laughs> feel when you start talking in, in um, uh, lingo and you start talking in, um, what's it called? Will you shorten a word? Um, uh, fuck. Jargon? Jargon? No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, yeah, jargon. Abbreviations. Yeah, abbreviations. So you start talking about, you know, ROM and, and WADs and all these things like that client doesn't know what those things mean, right? So teach them in their way. So I think that's what we can do as an industry to help the end user. And I hopefully the end user for all of you end users or consumers who don't work in fitness, for those of you guys listening, is it's okay to ask questions. It's okay. Like it's not a stupid question. You don't know. That's not your job. So if your trainer says something to you that you don't understand, ask for clarification, right? If there's something going on that you don't understand, go look it up, right? Find what resonates with you and let's learn because if you're not being successful, if you feel overwhelmed from the beginning, you're going to shut down and not want to do it, right? When you guys have a new project you want to do and it's like overwhelming because you don't know how to do any of it and you're like, oh shit, like it takes you a while to get going to do it because you don't know how. And so you stall. The same thing with people like, yeah, it sounds so easy for me to wake up and have a glass of water and meditate and eat vegetables in the morning for breakfast and take a salad and meal prep and all these things. And that's, but it's not, it's so hard for them. It's so far out of their normal day-to-day routine that it's overwhelming. And as soon as they're overwhelmed, like, I don't want to do it. I'm just going to go back to what I'm doing. So start setting up really easy solutions for people to be successful. And if those people want more in depth, if they want to go down and learn about um, German body comp and, and what the intricacies of the program are, great. Talk to them about it if you like doing it. But understand that person may not necessarily care. They do care about your relationship with them, right? And so the Maya Angelou quote, right? Like people will forget what you said. People will forget what you do, but they will not forget the way you made them feel, right? Yeah. And I think that's what it all comes down to is like, no one wants to feel stupid, right? That's the worst feeling in the world to feel dumb about something, right? And so when even your tone as a coach, you're like, God, how do you not know that you're supposed to meditate five minutes a day and then do a morning mobility flow and then drink water with salt and lemon and, and, yeah. and a grape mixture, right? <laughs> Like that's, it's so far out of their realm that it's just not how they see things. So I think that's where we can do a really good job as an industry to the end user is helping them. And at the same time, that end user can do a good job by asking for better clarification and not accepting mediocrity in a presentation, asking for um, assurance and asking for clarification because it's their goals. It's they're the ones who want to see the results. They're paying you money to get X result. So help them. Man, what don't you get fired up about? Let's, I'm gonna fucking send you on another one. Yeah, I, I only uh, I only have one speed. I also just chugged like two packets of Alpha Brain, so I'm I'm kind of ready to go. Still selling. You're like, man, I'm gonna give you this this this. Still selling like, audit stuff. Cool. I can't I can't even I can't even like get a word in because you're covering it all. I'm just like I don't even have to poke you for like to get to where I want to go because you're you're already going there, man. This is perfect. Um, 
as part of True Coach, so let's touch on that because I think that's important. You're reviewing certifications and workshops, and this kind of goes in the business aspect, but what do you look for in any fitness education before deeming it valuable, especially from your vantage point? Let's start with what True Coach is. Because yeah, let's actually do that and then kind of yes. go on there. So True Coach is an online platform that provides coaches a, a, a web application or an iOS app to train their clients and deliver individualized custom programming to remote clientele. Right, So it's a single-page web app that allows me to build out workouts and a calendar system, and it does an automatic emailing of my clients, so that way they get their workouts. And so the client would download our iOS app. They get to get the video of like a squat or whatever and uh, a bench press, and so they get to digest it. They can send me notes from the workout like, hey, I didn't hit all five reps, or they can send me a GIF of like a puke emoji because they thought it was terrible what I had them do, or they, we, it's just an in-app uh, messaging function. So it allows us to communicate. Um, so yeah, we have about 5,000 consumers throughout the country, actually the world, uh, that use the platform. Uh, we got founded in 2015. So I came on board to help grow the brand. And so with the brand, one of the strategies I'm trying to do is we're a resource for coaches, right? We help coaches save time so they can train more clients, right? That's what That's really what we do. Yeah, we're a software as a service. Yeah, we're an app, but that's not who we are. Who we are is a resource for trainers to help save more time. So they're able to go to things like seminars, take a vacation with their family, take uh, a day off, hire another coach, whatever that might be. Because there's so many trainers in no man's land, right? They're training 10 hours a day. They're trying to do the online thing and they're stuck and they're burning the candle on both ends. They're not taking vacations. They're not going out with their girlfriend or boyfriend or wife or husband. Uh, they're not, you know, going to the seminar that they really want to go to. Then they get demotivated. Then their business suffers. Then they don't want to go on, right? When all of that could really be absolved by helping set up systems and helping teach these coaches how to run their business better. So the education piece came in because at Onnit, even though Onnit had seven of their own seminars that we taught, we also brought in other educators because we believe that good we they uh, they believe that good information should not displace good information. So it's all about the lens of perspective that you come through. If you come from more of a physical therapy performance lens, then John Musson stuff is going to be great for you. If you want to look more at a work capacity and how much can you push your mental fortitude while training, God, the Jim Jones guys do great content. If you want to look at in-range joint capsule help, FRC is amazing. Ground-based body weight movement, animal flow, right? CPPS, programming, strength-based athletes. Like there's a lot of great seminars. And right now, as we've talked about earlier, this in, um, inundation of all these uh, online coaches, we'll say, are now there's more workshops because there's more people teaching content. There's more people presenting. And so now the market went from having, God, there was what, six CPT certifications like, like NASM, NSCA, ACE, uh, Cooper Institute, uh, NPTI, right? And then there was like your CSCS and then RKC kind of came around. Uh, and it was like, that was one of the first non-educational like, certifications, non-CPT certs that came out. And then that really let, you know, kind of carve the path for other elements to come into play. These specialty certifications, battle robes, Bulgarian bags, sandbags, right? And it created all these different momentum for other specialty tools to come in. Well, that doesn't mean that the CPT certs aren't valuable because it's for a lot of people, like you need to know basic anatomy physiology. Like you need to know basics about the energy system. You need to know basics about nutrition. You need to understand a basic understanding of how to kind of program. And the, where those CPT certs really um, don't come through is coaching application, right? Because they're not in person. They're not giving you that coach's eye lens. Whereas like these specialty coaching certifications, they're not going over anatomy. 
They're not going to where the bicep, you know, inserts into uh, the delt. They're going into, hey, how to apply that knowledge and then deliver an experience. That's what they're doing really well. And so there's so much education out there that who knows what to go to. And then on top of that, everybody's trying to be special. Everybody's trying to brand themselves. Everybody's trying to be the next Instagram star. You know, you mentioned it earlier, the, the modern day YouTuber, Instagrammer, like you said, people are putting themselves in debt to do it. The online celebrity is the new lottery ticket. Like yeah. that is, I mean, remember how people used to just spend money on scratch and lottery tickets? Like Instagram fame or YouTube fame is the new lottery ticket, right? It's everybody's ticket out of the hood, right? So for me, I want to look at education saying, hey, there's a lot of great content out there. And I love a lot of the people producing the content. How do we help highlight who's really producing good content? And how is that content going to help you? Because trainers need to look at how am I like, what is this certification going to do for me? And how is it going to help me going forward? It doesn't mean that if you take a kettlebell cert, you have to be only a kettlebell coach, but you have to look at where that tool is going to be prioritized in your toolbox. You know, coming from the 24 hour fitness realm, I blatantly remember knowing nothing about other certifications, yeah. right? I remember hearing about FMS for the first time. I remember hearing about FRC for the, for, uh, um, RKC for the first time. And I didn't know what else is out there. Right. And I'm looking at content from like the Jay Ferrugia's and the Smitty Diesel's and the Joe DeFranco's. And that's the, the circle that I kind of followed at the time. And I remember back when I was training, I trained a guy that was um, the CTO for Doc Martens. And he was like, dude, we got to get you some videos on the iTunes store. And I was like, who would want to watch a video of me teaching a squat on the iTunes store? I'd have like five views. Right. Like now I wish I had a video on the iTunes store from like 2009 because it would probably have nine dollars instead of five. Yeah. But even then, like, it would be cool to say you had it, right? Um, but it's, you know, looking at, like, watching how all of this is transferred. I remember just not knowing where all these educational courses were. And honestly, until I got to on it, like, I wasn't a continuing education whore like I am kind of now. Because <laughs> now I get to go to certs for fun, right? I train, I train someone three months a year, right? So, like, I'm not, in the, I'm not in the gym all day. I teach some workshops here and there, right? But I'm, like, my income isn't predicated on me getting clients anymore and training, and so when I get to go to a seminar, I'm looking at how the presenter is presenting information. I'm looking at how simple, right? Socrates said it, right? Simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. Or maybe it was Plato. It was some homie in <laughs> some Greece that was way smarter than me, right? But so simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. So I look at, wow, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. I want that coach to be transcending information down that's so amazing for all these coaches to learn from that they now have a new lens of perspective. So thankfully, over the four years of on it, I was blessed to take a lot of really amazing courses. And so a lot of the courses I'm going to be going to are ones I've, I've taken. Um, so like I did, I just did on Academy Foundations, which is the course I used to teach, um, doing FRC in next month. Um, I've got John Russell's course coming up. I'm going to do a Strong First. I'm going to go to a Perform Better Summit because I've never been to one of those. Um, I'm going to do my CSCS probably, Precision Nutrition, uh, uh MBSC uh, with Mike Boyle. Uh, so like, I think that it's also an opportunity because I've been kind of watching this content for a while on some of these coaches, right? Like I know that I don't have to worry about uh, having been to the MBSC cert because Mike Boyle's put his name on it. Yeah. Brendan Rear's a great homie. Uh, and so it's like, I know it's going to be great information and it's going to be, is it maybe going to, is it going to change the way I train someone? Maybe not entirely. But if I pick up one new thing or one new cue or one new way to do something or one new way to explain something, then it was valuable for me, right? Because being a good teacher is the ability to say the same lesson 60,000 times so five people understand it, 
right? Like every person doesn't hear the same way. So you have to be able to like, oh, like the way I teach Andrew how to squat may not be the same way that Dean learns how to squat. And so you have to have those tools in your toolbox to be able to like come back to them and help them achieve that because teaching them how to squat is important, right, for you. So it's like, okay, how do we help you there? So these courses are purely looking at who's putting out really good information that I've respected over the years or I've had the fortunate blessing to take and then now putting it through my new lens of perspective with True Coach and delivering it to our audience as to, hey, here's a great seminar if you're into these kind of things, right? And if you are going to run with this seminar, here's how I would use it to best brand your business or best help your business going forward. Because a cert isn't going to change your brand. It's not going to change your business. There's plenty of people with an ACE or a NASM that are crushing money. And there's people with master's degrees who aren't crushing money in this fitness game. So it's how can we help them find out what's out there and how can that seminar best help you deliver the experience you want. We got to get you at uh, one of Dean Somerset and Tony Gentlecore's uh, complete hip and shoulder blueprints. They they <laughs> they revamped that thing and then they're doing a bunch of them. We've got one. Actually, I might as well plug it now. It's going on here in Edmonton at SVPT. I think it's May 25th, 26th. I know they've got one in Philly and a few others going on. So I'll be at the one locally and <laughs> that's going to be savage. So but it, I've seen just, it before. But it's just like you, you see these people that are predominant in, in the industry putting their name on stuff and you know it's good. It's just a matter of taking it in. And I think a lot of people, I like the way you're talking about it because a lot of people will go to these things and like that becomes the only thing. That is their filter. They don't yeah. layer it or use it as another tool. So I, I appreciate that message because that's something we preach the whole time is like let's consolidate or at least take in what everyone has and we could do with it what we want. But if you don't know another way of doing things, you're not going to be able to use it or not use it. Um, the good thing about a lot of these things you're talking about is they're, they have the stamp of approval from some people that have a good reputation. So to, for the most part, these things are solid investments, I think, anyways. Yeah. I've taken FRC and, and it, was, it was good. Of, of education, right? There's a lot of people putting out courses right now, and it's not that they're not good, right? I'm sure Instagram trainer Joey B has a great hip hinge workshop, and I'm yeah. sure it's awesome. I'm sure he's learned something along the way, but also, where's the story that goes with it, yeah. right? Have you guys read, I'm Andrew, I'm sure you've read it, uh, Building a Story Brand by yeah. Donald Miller. Amazing. Well, Luca presented presented that book. He took that book and presented it. It was his first of his two presentations in Renton. I, I, yeah. Everybody should read that book if you're in our business. Yeah, Building a Story Brand, Donald Miller. Like, fuck, awesome piece of literature. Matt, yeah, and it's like, so what's your story, right? And it's not that you have to train pro athletes or you have to have a following to have a great workshop, right? But you do need to have something that tells a story as to why coaches should follow you, right? And that's the difference when you evolve your career in fitness. When you go from marketing purely to end users, to consumers who you're trying to get to train with you or buy your product, to now you're switching over to I'm offering a service to co other coaches, you're putting yourself out there in a way that, you know, the end user is probably not going to question you if you may have said something wrong, if you call it hypertrophy instead of hypertrophy or whatever, right? But if you drop that line at uh, a Perform Better Summit, you're going to get razzed on pretty hard, right? Or any, or any conference, right? I'm just making stuff up. But it's like, so you need to look at how you present that material and who you're presenting it for and what the story is. Cause why are people going to believe you? Right. You saying you're a trainer is not good. enough. Sorry. Like you're, I'm a certified trainer. Nope. Not good enough for me. Right. Tell me like what you've done in your career. Tell me how you lived in uh, on the street because you got kicked out of your house and you used 24 hour fitness to shower and then you became a trainer and then you got really into uh, gymnastics and that's why you're doing this. And this is why I'm qualified to teach this. That's the story I want to hear. That's what I want to connect to. I want to connect to humans. 
I, there's so much information out there in fitness. There's so many amazing people putting out such great content that it's not hard to find information. What's hard to find is people that you connect with, that you resonate with, that you want to support and you want to follow and you want to help add value to what they're doing. That's why, that's what you look for. Earlier, you had mentioned, you know, coaching people three months a year. And so one of the things that I've enjoyed following is that uh, you work with Jake Arietta. So he won the National League Cy Young Award, what, two, three years ago? He was with... Yeah, 2015. Yeah. And the dude is amazing. He had one hell of a season, but he's a great pitcher. So he's with the Phillies now, and he's got Bryce Harper there. So they're kind of exciting. So... Uh, a lot of coaches dream of working professional athletes. We know that's kind of a thing with young trainers. Uh, real quick, like I have a couple of WHL hockey players. I've got a college basketball player and a bunch of other young athletes. Um, I never set up doing that stuff. In fact, I've always sort of been insistent that I wasn't interested in training athletes. They just kind of found their way to me. And I still don't market myself as, a, as someone who does that. So how did this happen? You working with Jake. And what realistic advice would you have for any coach hoping to train that population? Yeah, great, great question. I love talking about this. Um, you know, Onnit definitely provided me a landscape to get to work with athletes, right? Um, and like the Tyron Woodleys of the world and um, Carlin Isles, who's the fastest man in rugby. Like I've had just random opportunities to work with athletes because they came into Onnit, right? Um, Jake was a very special story. And, and to be honest, uh, he's turned into one of my best friends. Um, so that's a really been a cool thing to have happen. So um, Curtis, who is our jiu-jitsu instructor at Onnit, is uh, him and I were close. Like we just chatted and, about life, right? You get to know people. And I'm going to tangent off a little bit in this that networking, being a good networker isn't about how many people you know. It's about how often your name comes up in other people's conversations. You want other people talking about you like, holy shit, I just talked with Andrew and Dean. Like, those guys are fucking awesome. You should be talking to them. Yeah. That's good networking. That's when you're good, well networked. Not when you have to go out. Like, it's good. Like, you need to go out and learn how to shake someone's hand and introduce yourself and be in that setting. But when you really get good at networking, it's when other people start talking about you. Yeah. Okay? So, uh, one night, I left the gym. And I, and I just left. And Curtis texts me around, like, 9 o'clock at night after he got done coaching jiu-jitsu. And he's like... Hey man, some uh, some baseball dude came in last night to roll, and I was like, "Oh, do you know who it was?" And he goes, "No, man, I have no idea." So I go into the gym <laughs> the next morning and jump on Zen Planner, and I figured out that it was John Baker. John Baker played 13 years in the MLB, and he finished his career with the Cubs, and now he serves as the mental skills director for the Chicago Cubs. And so he goes around and works with the minor leaguers and the professional team, and helping about mindset and, and meditation and a, and a healthy mental um, health practice for these guys. Cause a lot of pressure. Like it's easy to sit and dog these guys from making $30 million a year, but Oh, you feel pressure from your job. Cause you got a, a 10% raise and you got to perform cool. Now have a 40,000 person stadium yelling at you because you didn't pitch a ball. well, <laughs> right? Whatever that is. Like there's a lot of fucking pressure. So anyway, John, I figured out it's John Baker and I never used Twitter, but he used Twitter. Right. So I jumped on Twitter and I tweeted at him like, Hey man, super bummed. I missed you. Really wish I would have saw you when you were here on it. Huge fan, um, just would have loved to introduce myself. And so then he replies back, and we start kind of bullshitting back and forth a little bit. And then, um, you know, one of the cool things about Onnit was it was an environment that was always give first, right? Add value first. And so, and, and I could skew it, spin it this way, but it's like, oh, he works for the Chicago Cubs. So I sent him a care package, right? Here's some of our stuff. Here's some things. And he's like, oh, he was super appreciative. And we started talking about training and baseball and my, my thoughts on certain things. And I was like, oh, man, we're, we're teaching our durability, our recovery, and our mobility seminar in San Francisco 
in a couple of weeks if you'd love to go. And he was like, oh, really? So I, excuse me, let him go as my guest. And he attended the seminar, had a really great experience at this course. And so we just kind of stayed in touch for about a year, just texts here and there. How are things going? What's up? And then it was probably almost a year later, he came back to Austin uh, to come work with the, the Iowa Cubs, who's the AAA team for the Chicago Cubs. And they were playing the Round Rock Express, which is the Rangers AAA team at the time. And so he's like, hey, man, I'm coming to Austin. We'd love to connect with you and, and get some training sessions in. And uh, maybe we can go catch the game. And so I was like, yeah, man, for sure. So we trained every day for you know four or five days, however long he was in town, and really just built a nice rapport and a really nice connection around framing it because I played baseball. And backstory, uh, as a child, my childhood dream was to be the GM of a major league baseball team because I figured out pretty early in I wasn't going to be a major league baseball player. <laughs> so I'm a huge baseball fan. Um, and so uh, we started talking baseball and how I see the clubs and maces and squatting and power cleans and deadlifts, how this all fits into a successful baseball program. Mind you, I hadn't trained any real baseball players by any means. I wasn't training people. I am far from Eric Cressy. I still you know, go to him if I have any questions, right? Because uh, he's the guy. And um, so anyway, then he takes me to a game and we have a really cool experience at the game. Uh, even at the AAA level, got to hang out in the field, got to be there for BP, talk with the guys, hang out in the clubhouse. Pretty cool experience for a little kid who was like, baseball is so cool, right? And uh, then as we're like hanging out, we're at dinner and he's like, dude, he's like, you know, Arietta lives here in Austin. He's like, you should be training him in the off season. I was like, oh man, that'd be so cool. I'd love to. Um, so he connects us via text. And so then, uh, you know, and Jake's kind of a, a quiet guy, um, isn't necessarily put himself out there like on social media in all these ways. So he, he kind of likes his privacy. And so, you know, we're talking, it was pretty like a couple weeks would go by, maybe a text here and there. Um, and it was like, Hey, I texted him. I was like, Hey, I'm going to be in Chicago, uh, in a couple weeks. I would love to grab lunch and connect. So we went to Chicago cause we were teaching a seminar and him and I went and had lunch uh, with his other buddy, Tommy LaStella, who's now with the Angels, and then Shane Hines, who's uh, the director of education at Onnit. And uh, we had lunch, and it kind of started off where Jake was building a new house, and he was building a home gym. And he just kind of asked me to help him build a home gym and design it and how I would help him that way. And I was like, yeah, for sure, man. Maybe we can get a workout in here or there. Because Jake got famous uh, not only because he won the World Series and the Cy Young Award with the Chicago Cubs after a 108-year drought, but he also threw two no-hitters. But what's even cooler is he almost pitched himself out of the league in Baltimore and he was a throw in trade ship to Chicago and then ended up like going from almost being out of the major league baseball to then, you know, throwing no hitters and Cy Young's, et cetera. And so, um, you know, but he got really big because into Pilates and he's six, four, 230 pound dude. Like he's a big guy. And so for him, he was on an ESPN about how he uses Pilates to train his body and how, um, you know, he's this big, strong guy, but he doesn't do a bunch of weight. And so like, that was a cool story. And he was an ESP in the body issue. So he has all these cool stories around fitness. So I was really trying to get him in to come in and work out with me, um, knowing that I could probably help sell him the idea of working with me, um, you know, once we kind of met and we got to train. And so it was the end of the year is probably December. And I purposely, normally I would go home for Christmas to Portland, Oregon, where I'm from, and I would stay through New Year's so I could hang out with my friends. And this year I was like, you know what? I'm going to come back right after New Year's because I bet I can get, if I can get him to train with me before the New Year and before January 1 starts where then he wants to go full into like baseball training mode, then I bet I can get him for the full off season, right? And so I was like, hey man, we'd love to get you in. Let's let's train tomorrow. And he's like, oh man, maybe, maybe later, uh, you know, because whatever, the holidays. I was like, well, I'm going to go out of town. So he's like, yeah, okay, cool. So I got him in to come in and train. And we had a really great rapport. We had a really great session. 
And then as soon as I came back from Christmas vacation, essentially, and came back January 1st, right, we were training, right? And uh, we started off and we trained six days a week. And it started off, it was very like hands off, not hands off. Like I wasn't teaching, I wasn't trying to uh, talk about pitching mechanics to him. I wasn't trying to like talk baseball with him. Um, I was just like, I will say guys, the first question I ask every single athlete I work with, what makes you feel most athletic? What do you do in the gym that makes you feel the most athletic on the field or the court? And every single one is like, no one's ever asked me that before. And I'm like, look, speed ladders aren't going to make you faster, right? There's a lot of research proven about that. But if you come to me and you say, man, I love doing speed ladders. It makes my feet feel fast. It makes me feel ready to go. Guess what? We're going to do some speed ladders that in that off-season training. It may not be every day. It may not be the only thing we do. But why would I take that guy's swag away, right? That guy is good. Like you can sit and talk about sprinting mechanics and hip flexion, big toe dorsiflexion, right? Foot strike and, and I go, but then you can watch some DB run a 4-3-40 who can't get his hip in full extension. His big toe doesn't move. And you're like, okay, prove to me your sprinting science. Like, I'm, yes, it does work in like linear speed, like Olympics, you know, 100 meter dash, right? But that football player just did all the things you say he shouldn't do. And he's faster than pretty much everyone alive. So, right. So my, my jo- good job as a coach is, my job is to facilitate stress in a controlled environment so that athlete can experience stress um, in a safe way. So when they have to exert that stress in an uncontrolled environment like a game, then they're prepared to handle set stress, right? So um, the first year was like us just kind of very like getting to know each other, training, making sure that we built a really good relationship. And over the course of last season, because he, you know, he had a really weird season because he was a free agent. And so... Um, he didn't end up signing until mid-March, March 8th, I think it was. And I had left on a 30-day long work trip, right? And so I like I left on February 11th because he should have left on February 11th. And then I come back 30 days later and he's still there. And I was like, oh shit, okay. Um, and so that's where we, I mean, I'm very thankful for that. Not that that happened to him, but it gave us some other context to connect over and for him to open up to me that wasn't about, tell me what it was like throwing a no-hitter. Tell me what it's like to be a professional baseball player. Because that's the question they get all the time. And it's not that they don't want to like answering it, but it's that when you get the same question all the time, like how much you bench, Andrew, how many times have you been asked that in your career? Right? No, what's fucking weird is I don't get asked that very often. Really? (laughs) I don't get asked that very often. It's not that much for how big he is. (laughs) (laughs) Guido's got a much better bench. So I'm bigger. He's actually stronger than me. Yeah. So it's like, it was such an interesting game to like work with him and, and get to know him because then over the course of the season, I went out and saw him opening day. And so then, um, then he, he let me into his circle. Right. So then, um, he brought me down to the clubhouse, got to hang out in the Phillies clubhouse all day. Gabe Kapler, the manager for the Phillies walked up to me. I'm a huge fan of Kapler. I've been following him because Kapler is a body guy's been on the cover of muscle fitness magazine. I, I, I'm a Jays fan. First and foremost, I am cheering for the Phillies this year because They've got, what, Real Muto, the catcher that they pulled off the, the Marlins. They've yeah. got Arietta in there. They've got Harper signed now. They got Andrew McCutcheon signed and Kapler's their coach. So I'm all in on the Phillies this year. I can't wait. But go on. Sorry. No, and no it's good. You know, he, and he's a fantastic human being. Yeah. And so we're down in the clubhouse hanging out, just jawing up, talking with the guys. And, and I told Jake later, I was like, dude, you have to understand for the little kid in me, do you realize how fucking cool that was? <laughs> like, trying to play it cool. But as a little kid, I'm going... Oh my god! I'm in a major league clubhouse getting to hang out. You're like, fuck, and get it like, together, man. <laughs> yeah. And so then Kapu walks up to me and goes, "Hey, you're, you're Jake's guy, right?" 
And I was like, yeah. And you know, and he's their highest paid player. He's obviously got super accolades. And he's like, hey, man, like, I'd love to train with you later. Come back <laughs> up to the stadium at the end of the game, and then let's work out. And I was like, cool. So then after the game, um, we, I went back downstairs and trained Kapler and had a great conversation with the strength coach who stayed and watched. And then we had a long conversation around, like, my methodology. Um, and so it was cool because the Phillies have given me such a warm welcome, which isn't always the case in baseball. But, like, I met Paul and Dong at the NSCA a couple times. And then, obviously, Jake coming in last thing they're going to want to do is disturb their highest paid guy kind of thing. So it turned into like, Hey, let's, let's learn how we can benefit each other. Right. But like we sit down at lunch and it's Jake uh, Dong, the strength coach and I sitting and talking. And I said, look, I go, I want nothing more than to have a great relationship with the Philly strength staff, because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is Jake. Right. And I go, if you and I as the Phillies in-house strength coach and his outside guy don't communicate, the only person who loses is him. I go, my goal of success is he throws 220 innings and he has 32 starts and he comes back to me at the end of the season and says, dude, I felt fucking awesome. That's my gauge of success for us, right? So as we start building this relationship, it's like, dude, call me. Tell me what you want to talk about. Tell me, like, So, you know, the Philly strength staff and I talk quite a bit. Um, and so it was nice that we built this great rapport around like, don't look at me as a threat. I'm not trying to come in here and take your job. I'm trying to help bring you an athlete that feels really good and is ready to perform at the highest level for you. So now you can have him all season. Yeah. Right. So I went and saw him in Philly opening day. Amazing experience. Um, you know, side note, got to go to a Sixers game uh, with a bunch of the Phillies. And then uh, randomly, side story, if we have time for this, this dude's walking in. He's got like sunglasses, flat bill hat, flyers jacket. And he's walking in and he's like super douchey looking. And Dave to listen to this. He's a really nice guy. Uh, but we go inside. He's like, oh, you guys are going in here, too? We're like, yeah, man. He's like, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I work with a bunch of talent and like the Kardashians and the Jenners and Jamie Foxx. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy. And then him and I are talking more, and all of a sudden, FaceTime pops up, and it's Jamie Foxx. What? And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so he's, like, real. And then we're all hanging out in the in the game, and he's like, hey, do you guys want to go meet Alan Iverson? We're like, yeah. yes, I want to go meet Alan Iverson. So he takes us downstairs, and we go meet Alan Iverson. And I was like, what just happened to me today? Right? Like, this was a really weird experience. Uh, and so then we went to um, – uh, I went to Chicago for the first series that the Phillies played the Cubs because they were going to have a really nice tribute for Jake and, and do a really nice thing on him and had a cool time in Chicago. Didn't even see Jake, um, saw his family and then uh, into the season went out and hung out with him and the family um, and uh, got to spend a lot more time just hanging out, jawing up with the guys. I've been around a little bit now, so people knew who I was um, and then, you know, uh, developed a really good friendship with Jake's wife and his kids. And so then at the end of the season, he's like, hey, man, like. Uh, he's like, you're family now. Like, like we're tight, right? <laughs> and uh, and Brittany, his wife, was so funny because we're her and I were talking. And she's like, it's so funny because it's so funny how you guys hang out every day because we'll train and then we'll go to lunch or we'll go to breakfast <laughs> or we'll hang out. And uh, she's like, he doesn't like hanging out with anybody. Yet you guys hang out every day. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Right? So then this last year it turned into a much different experience because we had developed such a close friendship as well. Uh, and so it really changed the game. And so, you know, this is not the normal, right? Like, you know, Cressy works with a ton of guys and like, yeah, he's friends with his guys and they get to go do things. But very few people, like I hang out very socially with my guy as well. And I don't have a bunch. And um, it, it allows a really cool relationship beyond just the strength piece. Right. And here's why I'm going to tie this all in. When you want to start working with athletes and you want to start working at that level because you think it's going to uh, produce something for you, mind you that I never said anything to Jake around um, that 
I need you to shout me out on Instagram or I need you to talk about me on ESPN. I was like, if you do it, great. Do it because you want to. But that's not my gauge of our success. My gauge of our success is that you get to, you know, pitch all season healthy um, and that you feel really good. Sorry, I need to plug this in because my computer might die. Sure. Man, that'd be a first. <laughs> oh, no, De- Derek. Derek's phone died. <laughs> there we go. I didn't realize my power shift. You would have been the second. You'd have been the second one to have their power fail. So you're not the second. Perfect. Yeah. That's a so podcast full yeah, pod. with athlete like this, I said, look, um, I don't care if you shout me out. I don't care about any of those things. So don't think that I'm – because when everyone knows how much money you make, when you can open up Bleacher Report and you can look up how much that money got, that guy yeah. makes or you have that fame, everybody wants something from you. Yeah. Right? It's amazing. We'll be walking down the street. And with any of the baseball guys I get to work with, and they're like, somebody, hey, come sign this. And if they say no, it's like, why are you going to be a fucking dick? And it's like, why is that an answer? You're like a 50-year-old man. Like, why are you yelling that through a fence? Like, that is just not a good human thing to say. Or come up and interrupt in the middle of a meal. And it's like, dude, like, he's like, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm with my wife and kids. Can I, um, can maybe later? And it's like, come on, man. Because here's the thing. It might be valuable for you to see that person, but is it valuable for them to see you? Yeah. Right. So when you look at training and I tell Jake this all the time, I go, yes, of course, it's super valuable for my career to train Jake Arietta. Is it valuable for Jake Arietta to have Sam Poe train him? That's the difference. Right. So I want to make sure that we have such a good dialogue around what's in his best interest. Right. That doesn't mean that I don't get to program the way I want to program. That doesn't mean I don't get to coach the way I want to coach. But at the end of the day, you need to be constantly getting feedback from that athlete, from that person about what makes them feel good. You need to connect with them because that person can afford to go train wherever. Yeah, they're rich. Like they they're don't rich. need you. They don't, they don't need to, right? But it's how do you manage that relationship? And when you're the person that's not the one asking them for things all the time, <coughs> like, oh, you're different. <coughs> oh, you're here for me, right? And so because him and I have such a good relationship, you know, now it's opened the door on it already had a couple other baseball players in the fold and Jan Gomes and Brandon Geyer. Brandon's with the White Sox and Jan's with the Nationals. So uh, they were with <coughs> Cleveland last year. So I went out to Cleveland and trained them. Um, and then like Noah Syndergaard uh, is big into like on it world. So him and I hang out. And so then it's opened up because Jake's so well respected in baseball that like everybody else I tell like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm Arietta's guy. They're like, oh, shit. Really? You, Damn. Because he's, he's well known for his fitness. The one big thing I'm like seeing here, and I think that we've actually talked about this, is is just the fact that networking and not being an asshole and being someone that people like and caring about shit that has nothing to do with getting stuff from other people ends up leading to a lot of things. For you, it led to this and on and all this stuff, but that's where, if we want to tie this all in, um, in terms of expanding your brand and finding a different route, the networking tends to lead to so many things that you have the options to do that. It's kind of cool because that story is essentially like, I didn't want to train baseball players. I like baseball. I didn't know it was going to happen. And now I'm in the clubhouse seeing Jamie Foxx. Like Jamie Foxx was not on the list of things to see, but you're like, I've seen it. And it's because of training. And it's all about like, here's the thing. Like I look at relationships in terms of a partnership doesn't necessarily need to be financial. No. Right. The three of us may never do business together ever, but that doesn't mean that we can't have a good relationship because there might be a point in time where it's like, you guys introduce me to someone like, Hey, I don't know why, but I want to introduce you to Sam. Right. Or 
vice versa. And, and then it turns out maybe that's the big deal that helps us whatever, right? So at the end of the day, and, and yes, there has to be a lens. You do have to set some boundaries, right? Because here's my superpower. My superpower is I have more social bandwidth than probably anybody else in the world. Right? <laughs> that's just who I am, right? Like I traveled 150 times in three years. I, I had three 30-day long work trips last year. Like last year when I left February 11th, I went um, Austin to Phoenix, Phoenix to Pensacola, Pensacola to New York, New York to Dallas, Dallas to LA, LA to San Diego, San Diego to Indianapolis, Indianapolis to Nashville, Nashville back to Indianapolis and back to Austin. And that was a 30 day long work trip, right? All stretched through, right? And like, that's exhausting. Like you're not hanging out with friends, you're going out, you're socializing, you're teaching workshops, teaching seminars, right? All in the stretch. And it's like, it's draining, but that's what I, that's what I'm good at. That's what I enjoy doing. Right. So as you guys, you know, as you guys are starting to look at how you can build your careers, understand that, like, I got to play a different game because I was at audit. Right. I had someone else's budget behind me. I wasn't flying myself all over the place. I didn't have to do these things. So for you guys, start small, start in your local community. Right. If you're a trainer in Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. Right. And you're in um, whatever district, like you're really only concerned about people within a three to five mile radius from where your gym is, because, People tra- aren't going to travel 20 miles in to train with you unless you're a very specialized like sports performance or a very specialized body coach, right? That you have that reputation. So start in your local cadre. You want to start getting good at networking? Do it in your local area first. If you're a gym, go work with a local yoga instructor. Go work with a local juice bar, cafe, like acai bowl place. Go work with a healthy meals place. Do different ways to connect different audiences because I look at networking like cross pollination, yeah. right? So when I'm at on it. Not only did we have this philosophy, but I wanted to bring in other educators because that conditions people to understand what on it is in a really warm setting. If I got 60 people rolling in for a John Rushing Christian Thibodeau seminar that have no idea who on it is, well, they're going to like us a heck of a lot better because those two guys are in this room and they're seeing the allure of what on it is, right? So now I just conditioned 60 new consumers and my coaches got education and I got to network and I got experience on one weekend. So how is that not valuable? Going to seminars is a great way to also network, but side conversation. But yeah, it's, you know, for you guys, as you're doing this, start by connecting and learning about what others do. And that means you got to fucking listen. Get off your phone. Stop t- trying to Twitter, Graham, Snape, face chat thing, whatever. And like be present, <laughs> right? Don't check your phone every time it goes off. Don't check your Instagram. Learn about them. Tell me your story. How'd you get here? Find out something that you're looking to learn, right? And start learning about what other people have done in their careers that have helped get them to be successful and then learn about how you can help support their vision. Always look at networking by being of service first. What resources do I have available to me right now to add value to you? Right. And through that over time, things all of a sudden, and I, you know, I don't look at it. I don't keep a, uh, a log by any means, but it's like stacking up favors. Right. Like I, I gave this presentation at Mike Robertson's spot. Um, this last year, his IFAS thing. And I was like, look, I go, of course, it's super valuable for me to come up here and speak next to Lee Taft and Bill Hartman and Mike, Mike Robertson. Like, that's a great piece to be next to, right? But I go, Mike invited me because I've also tried to add value to what he's been doing, right? And because we didn't, we met it, Mike and I met it bigger, right? And it's like, what can I do to add value to what you're doing, right? And let me sponsor your event. And then it was like, hey, we would love to have you, right? So by being of service, you also continue to be top of mind. And that's what the real trick is, right? I said it earlier, right? You want to be good at networking? You need your name to come up in other people's conversations. Because if you're waiting for Instagram fame or YouTube fame by being on 
the podcast or this podcast. Yeah, unless you're going to be on Joe Rogan's podcast, you're probably not finding instant fame immediately off one hour of time, right? Because that thing's a fucking behemoth of a show. Um, <laughs> and so look at like how what resources you have, how you can add value to others, and then start actively going and connecting with other people without a prerogative, without some sort of other um, internal um, drive to get something else out of it. Maybe it's just like, hey, I don't know if something's ever going to happen, but you guys do cool shit. I do cool shit. Maybe we can do something together. Maybe we're just friends. Maybe, like, don't force it, right? But don't go in trying to posture and be this scarcity mindset little pussy and focus on being, like, <laughs> collaborator, a connector. Don't focus be- on finding ways to build community, right? Community is everything, right? CrossFit just proved it. CrossFit proved that people will spend $120 more than their box gym membership for a dirty-ass floor, for soul-crushing workouts, for what? Community, for friendship for this tribal lifestyle of something to have shared experiences and connect with people together. Right. So let's take that in the whole, how can you build a better community and what is your sphere of influence? If you're trying to do it digitally, yeah, it's easier barriers to entry are lower, but you're up against a lot more. If you're trying to focus on your local area, then it's a lot easier to be a star and then you can get bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, you know, one of the things that people always ask, like, how do you get on the speaking circuit? And I'm like, I get to speak, but I don't speak. I'm not Mark Fisher by any means. I mean, I wish, I really wish I was, um, but right, he's just a magnanimous, beautiful human. Um, yes, I'm hitting on you, Mark. Um, and, uh, right. But it, it really is, um, you know, really focused around um, how can you add that value to other, I just lost my train of thought. So I'm sorry. Um, I'm you keep your train of thought. Yeah, I was going to say, I wanted to even like, because we had to ask you a book question. So we're, I'm going to actually stop you, but I want yeah. to, re- I want to review two things that I think are very important and super funny is don't be young, dumb, and full cum from, from yep. Sam, and don't be a posturing pussy. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the other stuff doesn't matter. Those, yeah, those, are, those are the quotes for the show. <laughs> every once Remember while, the bad things. <laughs> every once in a while, we just really let someone loose. And like the only other person who's really just, we just sat here, yup, yup, was like Brett Contreras, because Brett is like a little kid. You set him loose, and he is just excited to talk. So Also, that's not a bad thing. I love it. <laughs> Good, good. It's so amazing. So, right? Like, I want to go out and create as many communities as possible, so that I now, because I don't, I'm not the best at anything, right? But if I have the friends that are the best at everything, it makes my job a heck of a lot easier, right? Like, I don't need to be the most knowledgeable about hypertrophy. I can go call someone. I don't need to be the best at ground-based mobility, rotational flow, right? I know someone, right? I love to be that. I got a guy person. I got a guy. Do you got a book? I think that's well, like the but before we even say that, I actually do want to say this because I, I like saying this. We have a lot of fitness professionals, a lot of trainers, a lot of local Edmonton people, but beyond who listen to this this podcast. And guys, if you can't already tell that you probably should be following Sam, <laughs> go follow him. Go grab his Instagram. We'll we'll drop in that in at the end and we'll let um, and in fact let's just do that right now. Like what's what's your Instagram? Where can people find you so that way they can actually yep. follow you? Because this has been unbelievable. Uh, S-P-O-G-U-E-8-6. So first Holy initial, God. last name, the year of my birth. Super complex system. Yeah. Um, you can check our podcast out, Fitness Break Room. Yep. And then uh, True Coach is truecoach.co. So, so that's... No, uh, I'm, I'm dead serious, guys. Like, if you couldn't realize just after listening to this for the last hour that Sam is someone that you as a no fitness issues. professional yeah. can take a lot of, like, just perspective and philosophy from... 
that's going to help your career, then you probably weren't paying attention, which means you aren't listening to this as I'm saying it right now. Fuck off. So as Dean keeps mentioning, and we love to, to talk, always ask our, our guests, you know, if they have a great book to recommend, you know, you mentioned uh, building a story brand earlier, which is sensational. Is there anything else that you'd want to throw at people? Man, you know, uh, like you, I've been trying to read way more um, than I had in the past. And, uh, you know, I wanted to look back on my life and look and say, like, well, am I caught up in all the Netflix shows or am I well read? Have I had great experiences? Do I have amazing people in my life? Right. And that personal development journey is still a process. Right. I just got into journaling, um, trying to meditate more, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, I really loved the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Um, <laughs> Sorry, loved, inside joke. Uh, Lewis Howe's School of Greatness. Okay. I loved um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willick. Amazing book. I loved It Starts With Why by Amazing Simon book. Sinek. Yep. Uh, um, I'm in the process uh, of Donald Miller building a story brand, Untethered Soul, um, the personal MBA for anybody who's maybe considering getting secondary education in business and wondering what the right realm is. I thought that was a great book because I've debated going and getting an MBA or if, I, if I'm going to stand pat with what I'm doing. Um, uh, uh, catching fire, stealing fire. That's good. One. Uh, the one on Flow State. Mm -hmm. Yeah, steal the fire. Stealing fire Ste was great. Yeah, um, yeah. I you know really love uh, going down the, and I do audiobooks. Uh, David Goggins mm -hmm. can't hurt me. Um, if you haven't done the audiobook version of that, it's fucking great because he also podcasts in the middle of it. So after each chapter, he annotates and talks about what he was experiencing during that chapter. Um, really powerful book. Hate it as a fitness professional. Um, hate his advice for what you should do. Like, go get soaking wet and run in 30-degree weather. But um, mindset and overcoming fucking shit in your life, I think it's an amazing story. I'm, uh, I always want to tease a little bit because uh, every once in a while, I'll, I'll shit the fuck all over a book. And, of course, it's a running joke. The reason why we laugh at subtle art is because I love savaging the book. But uh, I, I He's coming around. No, I see the value in it. I think it's actually great entry-level literature. I always deem it the twilight of the self-help self genre. <laughs> so, but, uh, and I'm going to read his next book because I want to be able to know what I'm talking about before I criticize Mark Manson in his next book. But uh, there's a lot of really great books in that realm. And quite frankly, I think anyone can read the book and might have a different experience. It's just, I like making fun of it. Uh, the other one that I savaged the living bejesus out of was your old boss, uh, Aubrey's book. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. I actually had to put it down halfway through because I thought it was so full of shit. But, uh, <laughs> which one is that? That's, uh, um, what is it? Own the day. Uh, own, own the day, own the own day. your life. So, and I look at it this way. Like, not everybody resonates with Aubrey, and I'm not here to defend him by any no. means. But I look at it kind of like Lance Armstrong, right? A lot of people want to hate on Lance for steroids. He was an asshole about the whole process. But on the flip side, how many people got into cycling and caring about their health because of Lance Armstrong? I like Lance. He, he saved a lot of lives. Cancer with research. His yeah. research. Right? Like, that's the one weird thing. Fuck, we're gonna we can yeah. talk about this two hours, but like he raised a lot of money. <laughs> like the amount is staggering. People like to forget. And Aubrey, right? Like he helps. Like guys, the amount of emails that come into on it that are like, "Oh my God, you changed my life." Yeah. This podcast changed my life. This I've been taking this or I do this. It's like it's overwhelming how some people like. I think he's a great dude. Put himself in the gutter. So I think he's a great dude. I think he's got lots say, of like, great cool shit. I, just, you, I didn't agree with the advice in the book. That's all. Yeah. No, no, it's good. Yeah. I'm just saying like, yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, so with books too, it's like, how do you like, cause I had a hard time reading. I didn't want to read. I'm not a big read. I wasn't a big reader. And so audiobooks was definitely my jam. Just when I drive is like my biggest thing. Cause it's just enough to do, but like I can still pay attention. 
Um, I hope. But like, once again, you got to find something that hits you, right? Like for me, I wasn't reading. So the Mark Manson book really um, triggered something for me that See, was, like, was perfect. Like you said, it was the twilight of personal health. Entry level, yeah. Level, right? And it was great. And that fed me down a big old rabbit hole of more books. And so, you know, I try to do one to two a month now. And it was like, wow, I'm so fortunate for that book because it was humorous, it was fun, and it was light enough to get me into it. Because I wasn't ready to read Man's Search for Meaning as my God, first book. Hell no. Right? Right? Because it's fucking in depth. And I'm like, oh my God. Dude, right? Mark Fisher recommend that to you because Mark always talks about that book. He recommended it on yeah. his episode. Um, you know, we, if anyone who doesn't know who Mark Fisher is, guys, we've got an episode, an older, earlier one with Mark. And Mark is just, like you said, he's a beautiful human being. He's dynamic. He's probably the greatest, greatest at pageantry, like you said, but he also knows his actual life science and his traineeship. Um, and he always talks about this book, Man's Search for Meaning. If you're not familiar with it, let's talk about it. Uh, it was written by... Um, I, guess, I, think, I can't remember if he's a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but he survived the Holocaust and he was moved around between concentration camps, Victor E. Frankel. And the book essentially is about how he wanted, he wanted to see his wife again and he found purpose greater than himself to be able to endure. I had put the book down initially because the graphic detail of what happened during the Second World War, for anyone who downplays this kind of garbage or... or I'm going to make a greater point here. When you see dehumanizing language, um, we see it very, very seriously on both ends of the political spectrum everywhere. This is some pretty grotesque stuff. Brene Brown talks about how when you use dehumanizing language, that is the first step towards making someone or a group of people less than human, which opens up the doors to varying degrees of abuses. And in the worst case scenario, we're dealing with shit like the Holocaust. So don't take that crap lightly and try to actually think about it when you call someone else. Um, there was a, a local politician called people who didn't agree with her sewer rats. And that's deplorable garbage that we should never be tolerating in, in anyone. But back on track, like this is some heavy, heavy shit. And everybody probably should read this book just to understand what these people went through at the time. But there's also a profound message in it how you can find greater meaning in yourself and you can endure anything. And it, it puts into perspective the hardships of our lives, the crap that we go through. Read this story, this man's story. You will never feel bad about the garbage you're dealing with ever again. Totally. Yeah. It's, you know, when you, when you strip everybody down to their worldly possessions and you're in, um, you know, ripped clothes and no shoes with frostbite on your feet. And you take away all the social norms, like it's you really start seeing people's true colors. And uh, it was, man, it was a really good book. It was a gift uh, from my buddy Brad Scott, who's uh, now the strength coach for the Atlanta Braves. Um, and uh, you know, he came out to the Honest Seminar, and then he left me uh, some books as a gift. And I was so thankful for that one because it was such a great book. And those are great gifts, guys. Like if you guys are wanting to gift people stuff, like books are a great thing to gift. Um, self help is a little tough because <laughs> it kind of indicates that uh, <laughs> some, but also like maybe they wouldn't have like. If I go to White Elephant Christmas gifts, I usually bring books now because um, at least people get something out of it. So, yeah. yeah. I just uh, bought uh, – there's a book called Mind Gym, which someone recommended to me, and then I, I read it, and I thought it was great. So I grabbed it for most of my young athletes, and I just gave it to them as gifts. And uh, so I think that one's pretty safe. And then my uh, good friend of mine, my web designer, who's just done so much for me and she just won't take anything. I know she likes books, so and she don't. I, I know she doesn't listen to this, but one of her coworkers does. So I'm gonna go and grab her like the Dragonlance books because she loves that stuff. So just as a gift and surprise her. So I mean, you brought up a really good point there, where it's like uh, that person, like your web designer, has done so much for you, right? And as you guys grow your careers and be able to transcend or find success, I want to leave you with the last point of, yep. you know, remember who helped get you to where you are, 
right? Don't bite the hand that feeds you, right? There's been plenty of people that have believed in me early in my career, knowing that I would get to a point like this, right? And get to a point where I have a bigger platform and I have a bigger voice and they banked on me to be successful. And so where would I be if I just disregarded all those people that have helped me on through the years, videographers, photographers, friends, right? Like now I'm in a spot where I can hire my friend, Andrew, who's been doing photos with me for years, right? And now I can pay him, right? Or now I, you know, all these other elements, like where would you be if you all of a sudden turn your back on those people? And, and uh, it's really important to remember that. I want to tell one last story about push sure. and what I'm going to do. Um, you know, fitness is so much bigger than sets and reps and, and squats and deadlifts and hypertrophy and energy systems and all this. Um, we taught an adaptive athlete workshop in Houston a couple of years ago. And adaptive athletes are non-able-bodied athletes, people that have born with um, either a missing limb or they have some sort of physical ailment. Or you can become adaptive um, from a trauma, right? Like a car wreck or becoming like a paraplegic, right? So we had 12 people come to this workshop. Uh, we did it for free because uh, we we're one of our coaches was big in that space. Her husband and her sister were both adaptive athletes um, and she was a recreational therapist. So we wanted to kind of see like where can battle ropes and suspension rings and steel clubs like fit into the adaptive community, right? And so um, there's this little girl in, uh, I'm going to say she's a little girl to protect her identity. Um, she was probably 21 at the time. And uh, I was sitting next to her and I said, hey, you know, and I'm going to call her Jessica for this. Uh, Jessica, um, you know, I'd really love to learn more about your story. Like, were you an athlete prior to coming? Like, what made you want to come to a fitness seminar? And she says, well, I figured I should just learn how to be in my new body. I was like, wow, that was a really great answer. If you don't mind telling me, Jessica, how long have you been in a wheelchair? A year. Holy shit. Um, I know I'm not the person that could get like have my legs taken away from me and in a year be looking for a workshop that had to live in my new body. I know I'm the angry asshole for multiple years and I would go down to probably a drunk stupor for a while. Right. And uh, I was like, hey, Jessica, if you don't mind telling me, I'd love to learn about your accident, what happened and how you ended up in a wheelchair. This calm, she says, is, yeah, I was sleeping and my mom shot me and then she killed herself. And when I woke up, I couldn't walk. Holy fuck. What? And she just said it that calm. And I was like, you're 21 years old. You have only been in a wheelchair for a year. You didn't do sports or lift weights. You came to this to learn how to be in your new, your new body after you went through a trauma of having your mom shoot you and then kill herself. And I was like, it was at that moment that I was like, oh my God, fitness is so much bigger than any of this other shit, right? Like, yes, I get to train a really high-level athlete, and we get to have a lot of fun together. But you know what? The people that I touched every day at 24-Hour Fitness, like, I just went to New York uh, in February to surprise one of my clients. That I haven't trained since 2014, and I surprised her at her baby shower, cool. right? Because we have that good of a relationship. I still text my clients on their birthdays. I can tell you most days and times that I train most people, right? Because it had nothing to do with, yeah, I'm teaching them to squat and deadlift and do all these things and get them to lose body fat or get stronger or get bigger, but you know what isn't like what carries over between all the clients and all the people that you touch, whether it's networking or it's training clients or hosting a podcast or trying to grow your career is being a goddamn fucking good human, being a good citizen of the world, right? How can you add value to others and how can you add value to the world, right? I feel very blessed in my career that now my mission is to give back to the fitness community, to help the people that were like me that had no idea that fitness could have turned into a career where you get to move into a fucking fitness tech startup with equity. Like we could be the next goddamn Google. <laughs> right? 
like, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, holy shit, that's an opportunity, right, for me. And it's like, wow, I would have never imagined that I got to be in this opportunity. I get to train at Jake Arietta. I get to travel the world. All from accepting a job at 24-hour fitness. Right? And it's like, but I do it. I can do it with integrity and I can do it with uh, a filled heart. And I know that I'm doing it the right way because I do it by, I, all I want to do is add value to others. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like being a dick. I do like to be a dick on occasion, right? But at the end of the day, like, I really want to make sure that I connect and add value to what you guys are doing. I want to make sure that um, you guys have a great show. I want to make sure that we have great relationships. I hope we get to hang out again in the future, right? Yeah. All the above. And it's like, that's what this is all about. Focus on being a really good human, right? Add value to others. Learn new skills along the way. Understand that you have a different perspective than anyone else in the world. The shit that life has thrown at you has taught you lessons that no one else can know. So you have something special to offer that no one else does. If you're trying to play the game of who knows the most about bench press technique and squat technique and programming, you're in a really terrible hole, right? <laughs> telling a really good story about how you can help others get better. As coaches, your job is to help their clients see success so that way they can continue to work harder and get better at whatever degree that is. For coaches that you touch, it's all about meeting them where they're at and helping them see the bigger picture so that way they can cooperate with a new lens of perspective, they can get better, and they can add more value to more people, right? So at the end of the day, if you leave this podcast with anything beyond dick jokes and cum jokes and whatever else, is <laughs> be a good fucking human, right? Add value to other people and learn as much as you can. I'm just writing that down because I want to remember that you said that. Cool. Sam, dude, you're amazing. Um, I had told Guido that he would love you because uh, every once in a while we bring someone on the podcast. I do, one of my I friends do, I do love Sam. He doesn't know much about her, hasn't really come across yet because he's so buried in his own shit right now. And I'm like, you will love this dude. I want to go lift weights with Sam. <laughs> well, Sam, will show you. We didn't get into we were going to talk about bases and Captain America shields, the, yeah. the on it plates and stuff. We, we just, we moved past that. It's fucking, we moved way over time, but it's great. But uh, Sam does some really, really cool shit with mace training. So anyone who wants to check this sort of shit out, I'm sure it's all over your, your Instagram. Um, so, it, let's just put it this way. When you did that presentation on base training, I'm like, holy fuck, that shit's cool. And you can do a lot of stuff with a sledgehammer, right? So just you have a barbell that has a weight on one end and not on the other, basically. So yeah. but, uh, there's a lot of cool shit there. But again, we can open that up and then we'd be going for another half an hour. And your time <laughs> is valuable. Dude, thank you for making the time to come talk to us. And thank you to everyone who stuck around and listened to this one. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, guys. It was an honor and such a pleasure. And, and so happy I can help add value to what you guys are trying to do. Oh, thanks, man. Shut up and sit down.